Good afternoon. We are back for another round of Pet Chat. Love this time of the day. Welcome Daniel Carrington and Dr. Bob, Robert Stabler. How are you both? We're, we're both well. Fantastic. We're talking about some interesting stuff today. Denny, we'll start with you, but coming up and looking at what we should be feeding our pets, which is always a bit of a tough one, nutrition for animals. Yeah, I want to talk about nutrition for our dogs. And in regards to that, we often feel like we're looking at the labels on products, but we'll go into detail with that with the ingredient list. And I think everyone needs a bit of help with that. It's hard mm. enough feeding ourselves, let alone our pets, so any help is very much appreciated. Something that you can help us with today, Denny, uh, pet nutrition. I've got no idea. Look, often when we're buying our, our food for ourselves, for human consumption, we'll look at the labels. We'll look at protein content, fat okay. content. We'll look at the ingredient list of what it's made up of, carbohydrates. However, do we do that for our dogs? So we're going to go down that topic. Good one. Mm. And I'm going to find out whether spending more money actually gives a better product. That's what I really want to know. Good question. Yeah, okay. And Dr. Bob, what are we looking at later today for Pet Chat? Well, I was just looking at your face when you were asking that question and there was a, it was very interesting. So I'm, I'm talking about quality of life. <laughs> I don't know how they're related. They are. Very much so. Food, quality of no, life. No, no, my face and quality oh, of life. Oh, quality of life. Well, no, the question that you asked Danny previously. Sorry, I was confused. <laughs> All right, quality of life for our animals. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We do have Lauren from Edgeworth on the line. Lauren, an interesting question for Dr. Bob. Please tell us. Yes, um, I've got a cat and I've just been given some quarter lines too in a pot and a hair, maiden hair fern at the bottom of it. And I'm just wondering um, if she's allowed to eat that or if it will harm her. It should be okay. I haven't heard of maiden hair fern being a problem. Lilies certainly can be very toxic to cats and there can be a few other plants. The best thing to do is to... Um, go onto your favourite search engine, look for... I'm pretty sure the RSPCA website has a list of toxic plants. Uh -huh. um, and You don't know about the quarter lines? No, I'm not sure about that one, I'm sorry, but I can okay. yep. check my favourite search engine and get back to you later in the program. We'll do but, that. yeah, the most important thing is to make sure they're not... If they're rubbing up against it, they're licking it off their fur and they will... In It'll get poison it. them. Yeah. I doubt whether that's going to be one that's going to cause a problem. Certainly the spores can make them a bit irritated. Um, Mum had maiden hair ferns in the yard and when they were shedding their spores, it was <coughs> I was all over the place. Okay, but so it affects everyone. It does, it might, but I don't it think it's toxic. might be best not to have it at all. Well, we'll have a look and see. Okay, Keep thank listening, you, Lauren. Actually. Yeah, we will, we will um, find that one out for you. 49216216 is our number. Now, Denny, we're looking at dog nutrition today. Can I start by asking a question that probably a lot of people are thinking? When I went to the supermarket the other day, I looked at all the brands and I went to get a cheap brand for, for Gizmo, but yep. he's, he's my little veteran, you know that. He's 11 now, I love yep. Gizzy. And I went, oh, Sarah. Don't be tight. He's he's an old man. He needs more. So I went and got a, a rather expensive brand, yep. thinking I'm doing the right thing and, and it's better for him. Does it work out like that? Look, it's a it's a. My answer is yes and no. Generally, more expensive is better. Not always the case. Okay. And this is what I'm trying to talk about today: is have a look at the ingredient list. Right. So um, to answer that question, I'm going to actually go through a little bit about a dog diet. Okay, and then a cat diet. Thousands of years of evolution, dogs will hunt prey. 
in the wild, and their digestive system has been has evolved over that time to eat that prey. Sure. What do they eat in that prey? So they'll get things like rabbits, wild um, turkey, duck, bird, and just small prey. And then they would eat the insides out of the dog, the awful part, livers, hearts, kidneys. Mm-hmm. They would eat the contents of the stomach, which is plant matter. Okay. Okay, which has been slightly fermented because of the stomach acids. And then they would tear away at the flesh and eat the meat and the bone. And because it's small prey, they can crunch the bone and digest the bone. Okay, so we've got thousands of years of evolution feeding, eating that. Our domestic dogs, for the past 67 years, we've been trying to feed them uh, what we call a, a scientifically balanced and complete diet, but in a dry dog food format. Okay, so what I'm encouraging people is now, have a look at the ingredient list of that dry dog food. A dog eats predominantly meat. They can have some plant matter, but it's got to be fermented plant matter so they can digest it. Okay. Now, I've got just, I've taken photographs of some of the more popular brands of dog food and their ingredients. So this one has chicken, it's a chicken flavour. The ingredient list on the back says the first ingredient, which needs to be the most volume by law, is whole grain cereal. Okay. Whole grain cereals is the first ingredient. Meat and meat byproducts is the second ingredient. And then in brackets, it's got poultry, beef, and um, lamb protein. Right. So even though it says chicken on the front, the back says three different types of meat. Yes, yes, it does. And that's not even the main ingredient. It's cereal. (laughs) It's cereal. That's right. So then I question myself, okay, um, why do I want to be feeding predominantly cereal to my dog? That's not what a dog should eat. Plant matter? Okay, but not wheat, not sorghum, not corn, not soy. And these are all covered under that cereal, uh, uh, a cereal um, description. Okay. The top five ingredients Australian dogs are allergic to are beef, chicken, wheat, corn, and soy. Okay. So if you were buying this one, um, it's chicken flavored, and you're getting some allergies with your dog and hot spots and so forth, they could be allergic to the cereal content in mm-hmm. it. They could be allergic to the chicken protein in it. Um, and it's really quite easy to diagnose that in terms of changing their proteins. Here's another popular brand um, that we've got. And again, first ingredient is cereals and or cereal byproducts. Which meat is not what we want, Meat and byproducts. Though. Yep, that's right. Right, okay. Okay, so they're like your cheaper ranges. But then there's a massive popular brand that is quite expensive, top of the line. And I'll read you their ingredient list. Chicken is the first ingredient. Good followed by whole grain wheat, brewer's rice, whole grain sorghum, cracked pearl barley, brown rice, soybean meal. So it's cereal again. <laughs> so by law, the, the, the biggest volume of ingredient is chicken, but that might be 25%. Then they've got, as we went through the list, whole grain wheat might be 20%, then 15% of rice, then 10% of... So again, the bulk of it, because it's broken down in detail could still be 60% cereal matter, okay. but you're paying top dollar. So that's why there's been a rise in, t- in the amount of grain-free foods where there is a single protein meat and some vegetable matter. And that's what I want to encourage people to do is have a look at the ingredient list, have a look at what there is in there and check out what you're feeding your dog. And if you've got some problems with allergies and itchy skin, hot spots, these are the ingredients that could be causing it. We're also finding a lot of people doing a lot of research and finding raw diets are the way to go because it's imitating what used to the dog has been eating for thousands of years. And their digestive system 
is designed to eat the raw foods. So is that no biscuits? So that's no biscuits. Okay. And they are a complete and balanced diet, and you can buy them. What they comprise of is basically along the lines of um, your meat protein, and it's usually a single protein. So, for example, it might be chicken, and it's minced up chicken, drumsticks, necks, wings, so they get the goodness from the bone and the calcium and the marrow and the protein and the fat from the meat. There's a percentage of offal through it. And the plant matter is usually seasonal vegetables, whether it can be celery, spinach, garlic, a little bit of garlic, ginger, uh, pumpkin, carrot, sweet potato. All done for you. You can buy it all done because the other thing is it's important that that vegetable matter is slightly fermented, again, imitating what the dog would have caught in the wild with the stomach contents of that that plant matter being fermented. Denny, maybe it's just easier if I just go out and try and catch something. (laughs) You catch something for Gizzy. What do you you reckon? Some roadkill. Yes, some roadkill. Is that what I need to do? No, this Um, is interesting. So mm. the the things are obviously be checking, looking at the ingredients, and we don't want too much cereal. Mm. Um, And potentially getting a, a different product altogether that isn't biscuits at all. Yeah, there is there is a lot of uh, products out there in the marketplace to choose from. Just look at your ingredient list and have a look and how it best matches to what a dog would have eaten in the wild to get the best results. We recently had on the show Dr. Ian Billinghurst who talked about the benefits of a raw diet. But sometimes raw isn't convenient for people. So you can buy a grain-free diet that is um, available in a bag like normal kibble, that you can feed. So that might also um, get rid of certain issues in terms of allergies to cereal products. Some really good advice there. And we're taking your calls on 49216216. And Rod from Garden Suburb does have a a question for Denny or you've got to talk about an experience that you've had feeding cereals? Hi, Rod. G'day, mate. How you going? Good. Mate, it's not an experience. Uh, I've got uh, two dogs, uh, Jack Russell, Foxy Cross and an Aberdeen Terrier, which I've nicknamed the Turner Dog. Yeah. Um, she got uh, pancreatitis, so I had to change their diet. And their diet now consists of mixed vegetable, brown rice with meat, yep. either chicken and or beef. Yeah. Uh, and it's all boiled up and cooked up and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just listening to what you just said about uh, grains and that, is that a good idea? Okay. Um, you said you're using a grain, you've got rice in there, and you yeah. you would have got that diet from a vet because of that particular issue that your dog had? Well, no, actually, really? I just, when he said um, she can't have too much fat, yep. I had a look around and that's what I came up for less fat. Yeah. Out of all the different carbohydrates um, that can be put in dog food, such as wheat, cereal, um, sorghum, uh, soy, rice is a much better carbohydrate. So dogs do need carbohydrates, but they come from the plant matter. Um, Usually the plant matter is what provides the carbohydrate and the fiber. So what you're doing is quite good. And the way you're breaking down the vegetables is by cooking them. Um, Really, to go a step further to make that even better is what you would do is mince up the meat and mince up the vegetables to like a puree content and give it to them raw rather than cooking it. Because cooking it does kill off some of the minerals and vitamins that are readily available in a raw diet. Okay, on with you. Yeah, yeah. Because again, the dogs evolved to eat a raw diet. Yeah. Okay, yep. interesting. But it sounds like he's certainly on the right track and doing a lot better than a lot of us. Well, yeah, so it's, re- it's, it's really good feeding that kind of food. And, do you know, Sarah, I've come across some information, like a lot of dogs with weight gain and so forth, part of it could be caused due to the cereal content in the food 
in the kibble that we're feeding. So if you're having an issue, check that out. Because it's such so high in carbohydrates, and and wheat actually raises the blood sugar level a lot higher than just eating sugar and that can add on weight. So there's a lot of interesting information and research out there. There is, absolutely. We're about to go to a break. One one more quick question for you, Denny, though. Something that I know a lot of people do, as, as I do as well, when we're cooking, uh, cooking with meat, I'll often cut some of the meat, not not just the fat, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'll do some, if we've you know, got too much meat, I'll cut it and, and give the raw meat to, to Gizmo. That is a good thing, I'm hearing. So, yeah, so a bit of a treat like that is good. But what we've got to get away from is... It's going back to a complete balanced diet, and that's where you can look at the whole animal, the predator that a dog would have caught. They eat the offal part, lots of nutrition in the, in the, in the offal for the dog, and then, then they have the meat and the bone for the calcium and right. the cartilage and marrow, and then the plant matter for carbohydrate and fiber. So that makes it a complete diet. Um, just a bit of meat from your steak is more of a treat rather than a complete diet. And hello to David from the Central Coast. You've got a question for Dr. Bob. Uh, yes, I do. Um, I have a 15-year-old Labrador um, that we have had for 14 years, and her diet consists of rice, pasta, sardines, tuna, uh, chicken neck, uh, vegetable, fruit, um, and she's never had a tin of processed dog food in a life, maybe once in the last 13 or 14 years, and I just wondered um, if what we're feeding her is a pretty good thing because she's a really healthy dog for her age. Yep. She has a bit of arthritis, um, and that's why we give her the, the tuna and the sardines, the fish oil, and I actually give her every day for the last, I don't know, probably five years, she's had a, uh, a fish oil tablet. Yep, yep. Look, in regards to that, so obviously a larger breed, 15 years old, she's she's doing quite quite well, and most probably you'll see another couple of years um, of life. Have you fed that kind of a diet all her life? Absolutely. When we got the dog, uh, we got her, she was 18 months old. Yep. Uh, and the guy that gave it, gave it to us, she's a, a purebred. Yep. And we were given a diet, and he used to make up portions of rice, yeah, you know, like the um, rice with uh, carrot, yeah. uh, peas, corn yeah. made up, and he was giving it that twice a day. And we started to do that. And I thought, well, that's a bit bland for him. Instead of feeding it twice a day, we fed it once a day in the morning, and uh, then we changed it around a little bit. She's yeah. been on the same thing probably the last four years. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good ingredients there. And um, some people, when they are making their own home food uh, in that format, do add rice and pasta. Um, yep. I personally would not feed the pasta. It, it's, uh, it's high in wheat, obviously, high in carbohydrate. There's no need for yep. it if you're giving some vegetable matter for fibre, for carbohydrate. Um, uh, but obviously her digestive system, because you're feeding a lot of other good ingredients, can tolerate the pasta um, and, and she's been fine. But, um, yeah, I try and stay with my dogs, for example. I feed a raw diet and I stay away from, from wheat, sorghum, corn, soy, all those kind of ingredients. And the other thing is, is that's important. If you do make your own type of raw food, there has to be uh, about 5 to 
content of offal through it because that is nutrient and vitamin rich because of the blood contents and so forth. And that's what a dog would eat first of when they would catch their prey. Um, and the vegetable matter you, you, uh, that you're giving her, you, did you say you cook that up and, and boil it up? I, you know how when you, you, you go to the supermarket and you buy a, a kilo bag of peas, carrots, yep. corn, something like that, I okay, yep. boil that up and, and mix it in with the rice yep. or the pasta. Yeah, so boiling it up breaks down the fibres so it's easier for them to digest. Um, if you don't boil it up, another option is to just mince it up, puree it up, and that way it's raw rather than cooked. So, yeah, look, you're, you're heading down the right track. Sometimes our beloved pooches just sort of get forgotten about, don't they, and we just give them a stock standard yes, you know, yes. food, get out the old tin of food, but we are learning that it's not necessarily the best way, and that's what we've been talking about. Jenny from Edgeworth, though, you have a question for Denny about the diet for your dog. Yes, um, I we had a lost day off 15 month old Labrador cross on Sunday with mm-hmm. abdominal um, tumour. Now, would that um, would it be a bigger risk with feeding them? It was the best commercial brand one that we were feeding her on. Yeah. Um, does that make them more susceptible to? like cancer of the abdomen or... Look, it's really hard to say all that kind of stuff. What we're trying to do is give our dogs the best chance to be healthy and not get cancer. Um, About mm, two months ago, I interviewed Dr Ian Billinghurst, who's a a vet uh, in Bathurst and has written numerous books uh, about feeding a raw diet. His latest latest book, and you can look for it online, is called Pointing the Bone at Cancer. And it's got dogs and humans and cats. And through his research, what he's been able to find is that uh, a dog on a, on a raw diet can live uh, a lot healthier lifestyle. Um, and if they do get cancer, it's towards the end of their lifespan, right. which might be 15, 16, 17 years. And the type of cancer it would get would be um, not so horrific, not so bad, and they can live out the rest of their life with it. Um, and what he's found is... Um, some dogs who have um, been fed a dry dog food diet could possibly get cancer earlier on at life, like seven right. or eight years of age, and get a more severe form of cancer. Um, it goes back to even us human diets. On Friday, I was listening to, to Dennis talk about this and, and carbohydrates versus proteins and fats and finding yeah. that too much carbohydrates in our human diet, also in the dog diet, is not great for them. So it's about, we, we can't pinpoint it, but it's about, how about we give them the best chance there is and feed them a proper healthy diet and limit the amount of cereals? Because at the end of the day, thousands of years of evolution, uh, dogs were not eating wheat, they were not eating sorghum, they're not eating mm. corn, those types of grains and cereals. The only plant matter they have is plant matter that's been part, partly digested in the prey that they um, that they have um, they have caught. That's why sometimes dogs can eat grass as well. Like um, yes. we have plenty of callers saying, "Oh, my dog's eating grass." Well, they can eat a bit of plant matter, which is totally different to cats. Cats actually have a very different diet. It's mainly all meat, and the right. and the carbohydrate and fiber that cats get in a wild diet comes from eating the feathers of what they're right. taught. Ah. Yeah, um, and they need taurine, which comes from the brain in the eyes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. So it's very <laughs> okay. different. And I can go for you know cat diet as well. It's very interesting. We might do that on another topic another day. Well, Jenny, we're so sorry to hear about your loss, but yeah, we really appreciate the call. Yeah, because she was only just one, so mm. and it was yeah. just a real shock. Of so. course. It is a shock, yeah. Yeah.
Well, we thank you for your call and yeah. taking more on 49216216. We'll go to a break in just a minute. But, Dr. Bob, just refresh us again. What are we chatting about today? It kind of fits in with our, our nutrition for our pets. It does. It's about quality of life. So it's making sure that your animal has all the appropriate social needs, um, nutritional needs. Is it getting out and exercising? Is it playing? Interaction time with you, relationship time, really important to look at. What is its life like? Is it just sitting, staring at plants all day? Or is it actually, yeah, looking forward to what's happening? Are you laughing at my dancing? I'm a little bit tired today. No, no, no. We were enjoying your um, dancing. That's what you called it. Yes, oh. it was lovely. We're talking about quality of life in pets, and so it's really important for them to exercise as well. So dancing with pets. There's actually shows, Daniel, isn't it? That there is, and they're amazing. Oh, when you see what they can do, the dog yeah. walks backwards through the person's legs and oh, wow. runs up their back, all yeah, sorts of or, amazing or things. walks on two legs and does a bit of dancing, yeah. a bit of tango. They sound like better partners than, than a lot of you men <laughs> when it comes to dancing, I hate to say it. I tell you what, the ones I've seen certainly don't have two left feet. No, <laughs> no, they've... They're, and they're very quick. They don't let you stand on their toes. <laughs> no. But they, they will stand on yours. They can jump through hoops, don't they? Yes, they do amazing like things. Yeah, yeah. But that's what we're talking about, quality of you life. You two need to get out more. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Get out and see more shows. <laughs> yeah. The um, quality of life, it is. It's about how you spend time with your animal. Is it just sitting around? Is it becoming a lounge lizard like you, checking your device for the latest updates of whatever? Um, as we, Danny was talking about before, it's nutrition. Are you giving the appropriate diet for the appropriate breed at the appropriate time of year um, and the appropriate life stage? Mm. So it's that when it's growing or as it's getting older, as our, our gentleman with the Labrador, the 15-year-old, survived, survived on a good varied diet, have to be careful as they're getting older that they don't get too constipated. Mm. So maybe adding, as you said, the fish oil or a bit of extra vegetable oil, not giving too many bones because that can clag them up because the muscles don't work quite as well. Mm. So quality of life is about looking at how the animal is progressing in its uh, situation. Has it got a reasonable backyard to play in? Are there things to interest it? Has it got a, a clamshell um, water pool to, to rest in in summer? Has it got a bit of a, a platform to, to sit on and, and look around? Not close to the fence, of course, so, so they can escape. But has it got some food to wander around and find? So instead of just sticking it all in a bowl, scatter the dry food on the grass or put the food in a, in a special area in its um, bunker or its bed, its den type area, um, different toys. The more you play with those toys, the more the pet is likely to play with those toys later. So often with cats, we have to say to people, have you played with your cat recently? Um, some people, well, no, not since I was a kitten. But when you start, it's just amazing how these animals develop a whole new life of their own and they really get excited and, and really enjoy it. I was just imagining with the toys and playing with them. It's like, like try and get your smell on, on those toys, isn't it? It is. So rub it under your armpits. And <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is, and that's what a security blanket is all about. Yeah, Our familiar, yeah, right. The nice way of calling it is a familiar family aroma. I had to think of that very early when I started talking behaviour 20 years ago. It's a much nicer way to put it, Dr. I think Bob, so, yes. rather than underneath Daniel's armpits. So, um, Here you go, Gizzy. I've freshened it up for you. But it is what they love. Yep. That's why they sniff blokes' toes. Yep. And shoes. I'm glad you said toes, because they also go for other parts of the animal. Which we won't talk they? about. Um, so quality of life is about yeah, making sure the animal is you're interacting with it, that it's getting out for some exercise, exercise, and as I said, some of the things in the yard or in the house, 
but it also has to get out. It has to go for a bit of a walk. Cats even on a harness, just a couple of houses up. And what they're doing out there is picking up on all the amazing scents and smell that are out there. And, and it's the same as us when we're inside and cabin fever sets in and you go a bit bananas, you know, a few days of rain or something. And so they need to get out. Otherwise... They just go, go tropo. And, Dr Bob, this is a big one. When, when you're walking them, it's important, right, to let them stop and have a good, a good few sniffs. When I'm walking with my husband, he'll be like, come on, kids. I'm like, no, no, no. To him, it's like, you know, a big chocolate cake being put in front of me and I'm not allowed to go have a look at it and smell it. It's <laughs> yeah, cruel. It's it is torture. Re- it is really important that if you want to go for a run, go for a run. But don't make the dog go for a run, especially different size dogs. So if you've got a, a chihuahua and you're trying to do a 5K run, it's not going to work. Mm. Great Danes shouldn't really do 5K runs because it's going to damage their already weaker joints. So Kelpie or something like that. So it's choosing the right breed. So it's important that you let them smell the ground because that's what they're out there for. And I know people want to drag them on and oh, I want to get on with my walk and the power walkers and things. No, the dog needs to stiff, it needs to look, it needs to see what's going on, especially for dogs or cats that are really anxious hypervigilant and looking around and being worried often it takes people quite a few weeks or days to get that animal putting its nose to the ground because it's using its eyes to see what's happening the car the movement on the tree the bird the the person coming closer the kid on a skateboard and because it's so aroused it can't actually focus relax and take in the smells that will be so much more interesting for it Okay. So quality of life. That is the thing with them. They can hear a lot more than what hear we can much hear. Better, they see can much sense. Better. They can see. They, they can smell a lot more than what we can. And we know that our our pets are getting a good quality of life when they are happy. <laughs> they appear yes, when, happy. when they fill out and tick the boxes on the questionnaire, <laughs> we know that everything's going well. No, it's just observing. Yes. And I came up with a good expression the other day. So it's watch and think and then interpret. So it is, you're looking more at your animal, thinking about what it might mean, and then working it out, interpreting what it w- might be. So, so if they're sleeping all day, not interacting, they're yes. not happy. And, and if they're healthy and bouncing and keen to go for a walk and keen to play, clean to wa- keen to come and watch what you're doing and, and investigate and, and yeah, um, get you excited, then that's bounce around get you off the couch that's good that is good we've got donnie from brankston you've got a question for for dr bob about your kitten yeah it's yeah just after a bit of advice actually um we've got a seven month old kitten and um just uh since easter we went away at easter and, and the neighbors uh watched him for us and when we came back he was doing this weird thing where he's now uh, putting his paws in his water bowl and splashing it everywhere, and instead of trying to lap it up, I guess out of the, out of the water bottle, he sort of puts his paw in and tries to lick it off his paw. <laughs> there are particular kittens or cats that do that. Um, there can be some uh, Burmese fishing cat in the background. Burmese? No. No. Um, I don't know, Bob. Uh, Siamese. Siamese. No. No. no, no. no sorry. Memory. Well, memory. Well, I'm memory. Not sure. Not sure what sort of cat he is. We got him from um, Newcastle Cat Haven. Yep. 
So there could be multiple breeds in the background, but some of them do. They prefer to just pop their paw in and suck the, the water off. It will be a particular thing that's developing around six months to seven months of age. It's sort of a, a developmental life phase like teenagers. They, he might have seen someone else do it and thought it looked interesting or there was something in the water and he was trying to get the, the flies out or... Yeah, sorry, as you can tell, I can't really give you a definite So it's why, nothing to be concerned about, it, though. It's nothing to be concerned about, but it is, yeah, if it continues, then... Well, you know, talking about that, my, my kids, they love putting their fingers in their water and <laughs> sucking their fingers with wet... So, yeah, it's exactly that. Adolescents. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Danny, how do Toddlers. you drink your water, is there... No, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Donna, yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. The kitten has been desexed. It has, yes. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah, very important. That was, that was part of the agreement when we uh, yeah when we picked it up. up. That's great. That we gave you sex. Yeah, so you haven't got any tricks or tips to just sort of try and stop him from spreading water everywhere? <laughs> Not really, just a bit of plastic underneath the water bowl, multiple water bowls. Sometimes cat fountains will mm. take that um, fun sort of thing away from it. More toys for him to interact with, more time with you. He is a teenager, though, so we think cats and dogs mature around the age of two or three years of age, so a little bit of um, fun times ahead, but the more you keep him interested in good things, play and and bouncy balls or, or ropes or whatever, then the more he's got to use up that energy on good things. The problem with being outside is that they can get into mischief and misadventure. Well, that was the other part of the agreement. We had to um, ensure that he was going to be a purely indoor cat. Excellent. That's a good thing. Uh, but um, I've got a five-year-old son, and uh, they sort of take turns in who's going to wear who out first. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> really good. And if the kittens cope with that and your, son, and your five-year-old's cope with that, that's great. Maybe your son was licking the water. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame it on the sun. Let's just have a quick look at our, our weather. It's all thanks to our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning, your Dakin specialist. Remaining cloudy this afternoon, there is a slight chance of a shower as well. It's currently 19 degrees. And time to have a quick look at our pet of the week. And I would like to introduce you to Fitz, a female 11-month-old Kelpie. Now, she was named after Ella Fitzgerald, the jazz singer. Mm. So she's a very smart and quick learner, apparently. When she first came into care, her menas needed some work, but she's coming along in leaps and bounds. Pardon the pun. Uh, she's very attractive, as you can see. She's a beautiful Kelpie, dark in colour. Uh, she does require a lot of stimulation and regular activity, so you need to be prepared to, to give her lots of walks and, and put in the work there. She loves to play with her current foster sisters and brothers. She will need a home with another dog for company and a large, secure yard. So if you're interested, you can uh, head to our website, 2NURFM.com, click on Pet Chat, and you will be able to see uh, a little bit more about Fitz. Dr. Bob. Getting back to Lauren and the cat and the maidenhair fern. Maidenhair fern is okay, but the cordial line is not good. So have a look at the RSPCA uh, nsw.org.au website, look up toxic plants, and we'll give you quite a list there of all the different things. So rhododendrons, azaleas, crocus, and a few other plants that you need to be very careful of. So probably a good opportunity for people to check their house make sure, or their garden to make sure there's not... Um, inappropriate plants there. Gee, you're good doing your homework today. I try. You do try and getting back. There you go. Really interesting stuff. Look, Daniel Carrington, Dr. Bob Roberts.
Robert Stabler. Thank you both for coming in. A pleasure as always. But Thanks, I think Sarah. That's, that's about it for us. Well, goodbye. Yeah, yes. goodbye. Get a good night's sleep tonight. Oh, come on. I don't look that... Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do need a good night's sleep. Do you hear that, kids? Mummy needs a good night's sleep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.